Come on, come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, so good to be here with you guys today. It's a blessing to be able to start this semester off right. Come on, we got to start it off right, right? And to see the passion and the intensity that you guys are bringing. Uh, I pray that we're bringing this every day, not because we feel it every day, but because he's worthy of it every day, right? He does not change, so we don't have to lose that fire. We don't have to lose that passion one day at a time, amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So, man, when uh, Joshua and I were talking about uh, the schedule for preaching and it ended up that I was going to preach on this day after Labor Day, I could not decide for the life of me what I wanted to preach on. I had so many things I wanted to preach on. Uh, You know, we've been talking a lot about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's a lot of people that maybe come to North Central University, you're not familiar with all the, the lingo and the, you know, the hands lifted and what are these people doing, dancing, all that stuff. I mean, I was one of those people. I grew up in a church where if somebody lifted their hand, we thought they had a question. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're like, you in the back? Yeah, okay, all right, no. Like, no, I was just lifting to Jesus, you know what I mean? But we, we really, I, mean, I didn't have any idea what all that. So I was going to preach on the Holy Spirit, but I just felt like I got this text message from Joshua the other day. And you, you don't know this, but you actually helped me decide because you said something to me that stirred my heart. You said, Jeff, man, I just appreciate you. And I appreciate the way that you continually lead us back to the Father, I was like, okay, because that was one of the three things I was thinking about. I was like, oh, the Father. We need to be talking about the power of the Father, the, the, the fellowship, the intimacy that we have with the Father. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I do want to show one picture, and I know my sons are going to love this, but I got to show a picture of my family. Uh, I, got, I got two boys here at North Central University. Come on, Roman and Evan. All right, there it is, the pic of the family. Yeah, we were in Colorado this summer, uh, just hiking there, hanging out. Uh, My wife, Martha, 30 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. Oh, man. My girlfriend, that's my girlfriend. Have you ever heard hear about me going on a date? You know, that's, that's my girl right there. And then we got Roman and Evan, and we got Channing and Clara. And uh, we just love the mountains. We love hiking. I know Roman and Evan, that's her favorite thing to do. Okay, maybe not. But anyways, but, but we went and we had a great time. And so that's my family. But let me get into the word today. I just want to point us back to the Father and help us through the word understand the relationship that we are so blessed to have. This invitation that we have to come to the Father. So I want to start with a very, very familiar scripture uh, this is John 14, 6. You could probably quote it with me. Uh, you know it, but we'll still put it up on the screen. And Jesus told him, what does it say? Read it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So, Father, we come to you right now through the blood of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. We come to you because we have access. And we thank you that we can come directly to you, that you have made a way where there was no way. So we ask that, Lord, you would reveal to us again the love that you have for us, that it would compel us to follow you, to trust you, to walk and talk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, how many of you guys like to go to the beach? Anybody like to go to the beach? I love me to go to the beach. I did discover that if I put too much sunscreen on, it makes me itch. And I'm sorry to say that because that just sounds funny when you say you have an itch, you know. So I apologize if that is freaks you out a little bit. But uh, anyways, I love to go to the beach. We have a place in Panama City Beach uh, where we like to go. Those white sands, man, they're just that fine, like, oh, it's like sugar. I don't know. Anyways, but it's just really, really nice to go to the beach. Now imagine if you had, let's say, let's skip ahead just to spring break right now, all right? I know it's a ways away and we don't need to worry about that, but let's say you were going to take a road trip with all your friends from NCU, come on, and you were going to do a little road trip to the beach, right? You're going to drive down to Florida, you're going to have a great time, you got this spring, drape, spring, spring break trip that you can take, right? And so you, you get everything packed up, you know, you get your floaty. well, maybe not, maybe not your floaties, but anyways, yeah, uh, you, get, you get everything that you need for the beach, right? And you get all your friends together in one car, and you take off, and you go on this road trip. Now imagine, you've got this little spring break time, but imagine you get a little sidetracked on the way, right? And so you, st- you start driving down this road, and you think, man, this road is awesome. We just love being on the road. It's really cool. And you start driving, just, and then you turn around. And you come back and you're like, oh, I just got to, this road is amazing. You see some sights and different things, but you just keep staying on the road. And you spend so much time on the road that you never actually get to Florida. You never get to the destination. And so then you got to turn around and come back, right? And you missed kind of like spring break. Or you, you missed your beach trip. Well, the thing that kind of got me thinking about this is I was at a conference years ago. And I was leading worship. I travel a lot singing and leading worship and representing North Central University everywhere I go. Come on, somebody. So we're recruiting students from all over the country as I travel a couple times a month. But I was at a conference a while back leading worship, and I did not know the speaker who was speaking that day. So I got up, I led worship with my band, and it was just a powerful time experiencing God's presence. And then I sat down in the front, and the speaker got up to speak, and he started he started talking to us, and he said this to us. He said, I wonder if it's possible that we have, in the church, overemphasized Jesus. Now, North Central University, I got to tell you, when he said that, I was like, I'm done. I'm out. I don't even know what this guy's talking about. Like, what are you talking about? Overemphasize Jesus. Jesus is the hinge pin. He's the one that makes it all come together. How in the world is it possible that you could overemphasize Jesus? This guy is like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you... (laughs) He's crazy, right? So I basically zoned out at this moment, but I just kept one ear, just leaning just a little bit. I just want to see how crazy he would be, right? So he talked about this, and he kept going, and it kind of pulled me in. He started asking some questions. He started talking about this idea of the Father being the destination. Remember our little trip to, to spring break? Imagine, because what, what did that scripture say? It says, Jesus told him, I am the, the way. Okay, let me just stop there for a second. Say, let me ask this question. If Jesus is the way... I think it's reasonable to ask, what is Jesus the way to? I mean, you know, you don't even have to be a scholar to figure this out because the verse answers the question for you. I mean, what's the back half of the verse say? In fact, what, what, if I said, what if I told you this before we answer that question? What if I told you that this verse is actually not even about Jesus? 
And you're like, Jethro, if there's any verse in the Bible that's about Jesus, it's John 14, 6. My mama made me memorize this one when I was a kid. It's all about Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. But what is he the way to? What does the verse say? No one what? There's four words, right? What does it say? Come to the Father. Amen. Amen. I like it loud. Come on, somebody got to respond, right? What does the verse say? No one can come to the Father. I was like, man, I'm a real bottom line type of guy. I like to know what is the bottom line. What are we doing this thing for? This to me is a bottom line verse. And the bottom line is not that Jesus is the way, though if there was no way, you couldn't get to the beach, right? You see what I'm saying, right? Like if there was no highway to get to the beach, then, and if the beach is a destination, you wouldn't be able to get there. You'd be off-roading the whole time. But what if, I don't, I don't think the best way to say it is that we've overemphasized Jesus, because I really don't believe that's possible. But what if we've underestimated or underemphasized the Father? Number one, God the Father is the destination. God the Father is the destination. Now, the way that I look at this, when you look at the three persons of God, right, in this analogy, in this analogy, we're talking about Jesus being the way. He's the way to the Father. Also, he is the truth, about reconciliation with the Father. And he's the life that leads us to abundant life in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? So this is that, that concept. So if Jesus is the way, and the, the, let's put that other, the other slide up there. If Jesus is the way, the Father is the destination. Well, I look at it this way. Again, it's not a perfect analogy, right? but that the Holy Spirit is the fuel, the power. There are some people that are on the road, but they're out of gas. You know what I'm saying? They might be wanting to get to the destination of the Father, but, and Jesus had made the way, and they understand that there's a way where there was no way, but they don't have the power, and so they're just pushing their car, just trying with all their might, all their strength. See, I got my message in there about the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> right? Because you can't push your car to the Father on the way that Jesus made without the power of the Spirit. You won't make it. See, the three persons of God have the same end goal. They have different roles, but they have the same end goal. I love Ephesians 2. 17 through 18, it sums it up. It says, he brought this good news of peace to, to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, we should have this verse, number, uh, verse 18 on the screen. Now, all of us can, here's those four words again, come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. There it is in like one verse that helps me. Like it helps me understand purpose. You know, what are the roles 
And then somebody said, well, Jeff, I thought that Jesus was the center of it all. And I'm like, yes, he is the center of it all in God's universe. And I'll show you some more things. I just, I just, I just want to show you some other scriptures. What about the name above all names, right? Jesus is the name above all names. But you got to read the scripture, right? Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, this God elevated him, we're talking about Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every other name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, period. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I know, I know. You're, I'm, I'm, I'm sucking you in here a little bit because it's actually not a period right there in the verse. Can you just show me the next slide what the verse actually says? And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What does it say? To the glory of God the Father. I mean, again, I'm just, I'm just reading what the scripture says, right? I'm like, whoa, we almost forgot that. In, in knowing that Jesus is the name above all names, right? We forgot that it was all to bring glory to the Father. Therefore, Jesus is Lord under God. Whoa. Have we ever said that phrase before? Like, what? Now, guys, fear not. We are not trying to demote Jesus here, okay? Like, like, like you're going to get those emails, all right? <laughs> President Hagen, Jeff is trying to demote Jesus. No, I'm not trying to demote Jesus. Remember, we're trying to remember the Father and not forget the Father, right? We're not trying to bring Jesus down. We're trying to bring the Father up to where he should have already been in our understanding of who he is. Because without Jesus, we know relationship with God is impossible. In fact, we honor Jesus' sacrifice best by moving into relationship with God the Father. Isn't that why the veil was torn? Oh, man. We didn't have access to the Father. We had to go through the priests, right? The veil was torn. Jesus died. And one of the greatest things that happened, yes, forgiveness of sin, because we can't come into the presence of a holy God when we are not forgiven and cleansed of our sin. But the greatest symbol of that was the veil being torn, that we now each have access. Number two, the Bible reveals the truth about God the Father. Man, I just picked out a couple things that I want us to look at about what the Bible says. We miss so many times. It says the Father. I should have looked it up. I should have looked it up, Bill. I should have known the number of times it says the Father. You know, it's a, there's a lot, but we miss it a lot of times where it says God the Father did this or he said this. And so I just want to highlight a couple things. Number one, we got a slide that has all of them on it, just one slide. The Father has life in himself. If you have life today, and most of you do, if you have life today, it's because the Father is the source. Somebody say the source. Come on, he's the source of life. John 5, 26 says the Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. So the Father has life, and he gave it to his son, who also made a way for us to have life. Number two there, it says the Father directs the son. John 5, 19 says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. I don't know if it's can or will. However, you know, Lord help us with that understanding. But God, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing, Right? 
whatever the father does, the son also does. Who wants to be like Jesus? I want to be like, come on, it's it's not a trick question. Who wants to be like Jesus? That's a good thing, right? So if you want to be like Jesus, you should act like Jesus and do what the father is doing. Because that's what Jesus is doing, right? Number three, the father is to be worshipped. Sometimes it's confusing. Like, do I worship Jesus? Do I worship the Holy Spirit? Do I worship the Father? Hey, yes, okay? All right, but don't forget about the Father because there is a verse here. We know this verse, John 4, 23, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those at North Central University who will worship him that way. Wherefore, there is God is Abba, Father. Man, I love this because God is consuming fire, but he's also Daddy God. How many times have you guys been in a prayer circle and somebody go, Daddy, and talk to God like Daddy, and like, whoa, that makes me feel uncomfortable, you know? Like, come on, don't be called God Daddy. That's a little weird, but hey, I mean, the Bible tells us here, right? (laughs) The Bible tells us, I know you've had that situation, all right? The Bible tells us in Romans 8.15, listen, listen, Romans 8.15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, which essentially means Father or Daddy God. So he's consuming fire. He's ferocious. He's intense but he's also somebody who can climb up into his lap and be close and intimate because of what Jesus has done through the power of the Spirit of God. We have access to the Father. Amen? All right, number three, Jesus points us to God the Father, not only, or points us back to God the Father, right? Number three, I love this. Just a couple scriptures I want to highlight because you know what? Sometimes it feels like that God gets a bad rap, right? Like you think of God as the Old Testament dude, right? Like he's like killing people and mad at everybody. And, and like, you know, Jesus is that nice, like feel good. It feels so good. Like he's so sweet. He's so nice. Which if you know anything about the Bible, it's actually not really that true. He's like rebuking people, sending people away that want to know Jesus. They, know, they want to be saved, you know, all that stuff. So, but what I realize is that, that God and Jesus are the same in their characteristics from Old Testament to New Testament. Come on, God is a consuming fire in the Old Testament, but the word is actually used in the New Testament to refer to God the Father as consuming fire. And Jesus, man, he is lovey-dovey in the New Testament, but so is God. And so is God in the Old Testament. God talks in Isaiah about his love and his forgiveness. So, he, so God gets a bad rap. God is the one who, I got to read it too. I got to read it. I don't have it for the screen, but John 16, because Jesus is the one saying this. And I feel like, hey, if Jesus is saying it, then it's true, right? And he's the one directing us back to the Father. John 16, verse 26 and 27, uh-huh, uh-huh, says this, then you will ask in my name. So these are the red letters, right? Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves 
you dearly. Man, let me just stop right there. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says about the Father. Some of you guys just need to walk out of here. If you don't get anything else today, you just need to repeat that over and over and over. The Father loves me dearly. The Father. In fact, I mean, again, I'm, I, I don't know how it all works with the, the relationships there when the Bible tells us that Jesus himself doesn't even know the day or the hour, only the Father knows. So how does all that work? I don't know. But Jesus is telling us here, it's not just Jesus that loves you. In fact, I might even take a step out and risk and say, I think it was the Father who gave Jesus the idea. I mean, it's not like, it's not like G, or the Father's up in heaven going, yeah, man, those people are driving me crazy. Jesus, could you go down and take care of them for me? He's like, no, Jesus, I love them so much. Could you go down there and take care of them? You know what I'm saying? Like it's a different, just the tone is different. The Father himself loves you dearly. You have so many picture of the, pictures of that in the Bible, right? Uh, the, the prodigal son, that the image of the father running, not standing up on the porch going, yeah, my son, he's an idiot. No, as soon as he saw him, what did he do? Picked up his robe and said, I'm out of here. I'm going. I'm running to him. And that's what he's doing to you today. He's running to you. He's not standing there looking like he's all upset with you and mad at you. He runs to you. The Father himself loves you dearly. Okay, number two under this, we got those three points there. We should pray to the Father. Now, this one might seem kind of weird because I know when we were little, you know, it was always like, dear Jesus, right? That's kind of what we learned. But I just, I just want to look at the, 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 the word. The word in John 16, 20 through, 23 through 24. John 16, 23 through 24. It says this, at that time, after Jesus ascends to heaven, you won't need to ask. So I, I put that part in there. After Jesus ascends to heaven, right? So at that time, Jesus is telling us, you won't need to ask me, Jesus, for anything. Think about that for a second. Jesus just said, you don't need to ask me for anything. He said, I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. See, it was new. Now, it's not new now. We should know this. It's 2,000 years later. It's not new to us, but we forget. He says, you haven't done this before. Ask the Father using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy, man. Now look, I, God doesn't get offended if you pray to Jesus, all right? Like it's not like God's up there, oh man, he's jealous, you know, or something, you know. But I mean, they're one, right? They're, they're in this together. But I just want to do what Jesus is saying. And so we decided we're going to teach our kids like, hey, and, and maybe many of you already do this. You're like, yeah, duh, you know. But you're like, I just pray, dear God, and then I say, in Jesus' name, right? Because that's what Jesus told us to do, to come to the Father, right? We have access to the Father. He's called us to come directly. Somehow it changes the whole thing for me when I feel like, oh, my goodness, like, God, the Father loves me, Right? See, ironically, if we continually approach only Jesus in prayer, I believe we are simultaneously eroding the idea that coming to the Father is the chief end in life. Now, again, I'm not saying because Jesus, the, the third point there is that in, in John 17, 21, that Jesus wants us to be one 
with the Father. You know this prayer. Jesus is praying. He's, he's given us the list of the most important things. And at the end of that list, he says this, my prayer for all of them is that they would be one just as you and I are one, Father, so that's just us, the community being one, but that just as you are in me and I am in you, Father, so they will be in us, right? So it's not just the Father. It's, it's fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that he's calling us to. You have access because of what Jesus has done. This is not really new. I mean, how did it start out? What did Adam and Eve do in the garden? They walked and talked with God. Isn't that what we're all trying to get back to? Like, isn't that the whole point of ministry? Isn't that the whole point of chapel? Isn't that the whole point of the whole thing on this earth? Is that we want to come back into fellowship with God. I mean, I might even say it this way, and I've said it this way from this pulpit before. But Jesus didn't die for your sins. Now, just don't, don't throw anything, all right? Jesus didn't die for your sins. He died to reconcile you to the Father. And your sins were just standing in the way. So that's just about purpose, right? We're not saying that you don't need to be forgiven or that forgiveness is not important. But that's not the end goal. That's the beginning. It's the beginning of fellowship, of restored. Somebody say Restored. Restored fellowship. That's what reconciliation is. Restored fellowship with the Father. Last thought here. The Father is utterly supreme over everything. Man, I came across this verse. It blows my mind still. But you got to hear it. I'm going to read four, five verses. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15. We're only going to have one of them on the screen, but I'll I'll tell you when to put that one up, all right? So, or we got it up there. No, we don't. Yeah, that's good. You got it right. All right, so it goes like this. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. After that, the end will come. Now, we're talking about the end of time here on earth as we know it, right? When he, Jesus, will turn the kingdom over to God the Father. What? <laughs> like, Wait, wait, okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 24. After that, the end will come where he, Jesus, will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until, it's a weird word, until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say God has put all things under his authority. Who put all things under Jesus' authority? God put all things under Jesus' authority. Of course, this is a uh, Paul parentheses here. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, the Bible says, who gave Christ his authority. Now verse 28, then when he, imagine this picture. Imagine this picture. Then when he has conquered, Jesus has conquered all things, the son will present himself to God so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. I don't know, man. I don't think I ever heard anybody preach on that verse. Maybe I just missed it. I don't know. But I was like, what in the world kind of picture is that? Now, again, we're not demoting Jesus today, okay? Right? Just keep Jesus right where he's always been for you, all right? But let's understand that the Father instigated 
these things because he loves you dearly. Can we stand all over this place? And all I want to invite you to this morning is to make a little space. We only have a couple minutes, but if you can stay for a couple minutes, that's great. But this really isn't about chapel. This is about you and your time alone with God too. Like this is a great place to spend time with God, but I want to challenge you. We want to challenge you. The chapel is a public place. In Matthew 6, the Bible tells us to pray and to go and close the door and get alone in secret and talk to God. Now, if you're not convinced about the prayer thing, there's one other verse you could think about. When, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, what did, what did Jesus say? He said, our Father. <laughs> he said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, right? The Father is calling you to the secret place. Now, today we can make this altar the secret place, right? But he's calling you to a place of fellowship, Everything else is secondary to that. I'm telling you, that challenges me deeply because I love to do stuff in this life. I love to do ministry. I love to preach and sing and teach and all the things that we get to do here at North Central. I love to work hard. But God's called me to the secret place. Will you accept that invitation today to make room? Heaven forbid we don't have time for the God who made time. Would we make room for our God? Hey, we're going to sing this song. And if you can stay, if you can't, no worries. But remember, take this idea of coming to the Father, to the secret place. If you have a few minutes, come forward, get on your face, get on your knees, stretch out your hands, and let's begin to make room for God in our life.